This is Nicole Raleigh, web editor of Pharma Forum. And this morning I have with me Daniel Sikowski, CEO and co-founder of Ready Set Food. So Daniel, you're going to be a guest speaker for our inaugural event, the World Without Disease Summit. But before we get into the whys and wherefores of your participation in that, I just, I want to learn more about Ready, Set, Food. Obviously, I've done a little bit of research and I'm really intrigued by this concept because it is sort of a hot topic, I suppose you could call it. So tell me about the founding steps of Ready, Set, Food. No, thank you. I, I think we're very excited to be here now, six years after those those founding steps. Uh, and and now helping to make food allergy prevention easy for families. You know, six years ago when, when we started the company, uh, my nephew developed food allergies. Um, you know, he was about six and a half months old when uh, they first detect, detected his food allergies. I had a number of kids myself, my brother-in-law. He and I, um, he had read the clinical trials around food allergy prevention and, and it had been a topic of conversation. And we knew we wanted to feed our, our babies allergens early and often to prevent food allergies because that's what the clinical data was showing. Uh, could prevent about 80% of food allergies. Uh, and my nephew especially had severe eczema, so he was actually at the highest risk for developing food allergies. Um, mm -hmm. But my nephew just wasn't very good at eating solid food at a very young age. So although the guidelines said to start uh, really as early as possible, around four months of age, feed allergenic food to prevent food allergies, you know, we waited until he was about six and a half months old because he just wasn't ready to eat solid food very well before then. Um, yeah. And by the time he was first eating solid food at six and a half months of age, it was already too late. Um, and he had already at that point, you know, developed multiple severe food allergies. That's really what got us, you know, thinking about, and, you know, the data was really clear already that we could prevent most food allergies just by feeding small amounts of allergens starting from a young age and doing it frequently. Uh, but it was clear, not just in my nephew's case, but also in what, the largest clinical trial to date at that point, the EAT trial, which was done in King's College in London, they, they had great results, but only in the 43% you know, who were able to follow the study protocol, but that most of the babies had the same problem my nephew had, which is they just weren't very good at eating solid foods uh, at an early enough age. Um, and that for the babies that weren't able to eat enough, early enough, often enough, they didn't see any benefit of prevention. So, you know, I think to us, it seems clear there was a huge opportunity where, you know, just in the U.S., if every family could follow those study protocol, there'd be a quarter million fewer babies every year that get food allergies. It would be something that, you know, parents would really find challenging given the compliance issues from the clinical trials and just our personal experience as parents. So I suppose people at this point are thinking, so what exactly have you done, Daniel, to overcome this trouble with solid foods for infants of this age? So what is it that Ready, Set, Food permits that circumvents that? Great question. So what we did is created a, you know, a protein powder that dissolves in breast milk or formula that you know makes exactly the formulas that were used in clinical trials in terms of the amount of allergenic protein, the types of allergenic protein, but in a format that's much easier for parents to feed their baby, because whether you're doing breastfeeding or bottle feeding or formula uh, or, or baby led weaning or purees, you know, or in, at least in the U.S., uh, the data show that about 97% of parents were giving at least one bottle a day by the time the baby's four months of age. That's breast milk or formula or you know, whatever it is. Uh, so that by putting a, um, you know, basically a once a day small amount of peanut egg and milk powder in your baby's bottle, you're able to follow the exact you know, protocol from the clinical trials that was shown to be effective at preventing 80% of food allergies, but in a format that's just very easy for every baby to eat uh, because it's just in the food they're already eating as opposed to a new taste, a new texture. Those are important things for babies to experience. 
but that you know, since babies have different you know, reactions to those tastes and textures, important that no matter what their reaction is, that you feed them the, the appropriate amount of phenad and egg and milk to prevent food allergy. So with these dietary guidelines by the USDA, what was the sort of situation before 2020 when these new guidelines came in? I mean, is this not now, but then novel thinking or what changes were made that obviously gave you a springboard from which to work with? You know, there's already a lot of clinical data as early as 2014 and 2015 showing that that you, know, you could prevent food allergies. And that's that's the data that the guidelines ended up being based on. So when we started the company in 2017, I'm not a doctor, but my brother-in-law's a doctor and one of our good friends is an allergist. Um, and the two of them could tell from all of the trials that were you know being published and in process that were seeming to show good results, that it, it, it seemed clear that uh, there would be guidelines that every baby should eat allergens early and often. So I, I think we've definitely seen an acceleration um, in consumer interest and in retail interest and in payer and provider interest, um, you know, once the guidelines came around, um, but that it was really clear as early as, you know, 2015 or so that early introduction worked, it, you know, would prevent most food allergies and that that would eventually be the, you know, the medical guidelines for all babies. It's great because if you look at, I mean, you're throwing out a lot of figures to me. So we could have a quarter of a million fewer cases if this sort of process is followed. But there's also the fact that every 100 seconds, a baby in America gets a food allergy. I mean, that's frightening. Is, is there a reason for this? this? Is this a sort of 20th century, 21st century um result of differences in diet? I mean, what has caused this? Also, is it specifically US? Is it sort of worldwide? Uh, great question. It's definitely worldwide, um, especially in places, you know, Europe, UK, uh, Canada, Australia, um, America, um, see skyrocketing rates of food allergies. Uh, I'm more familiar with the US data, uh, but the US data, depending on which food allergy you're looking at, a doubling or a tripling of the you know, type of frequency of these different food allergies. And, you know, Australia, my understanding actually has even a, a higher rate of increase, uh, but that, you know, England uh, and EU have, you know, very similar rates to, to the U.S. And, and even, you know, places like the, you know, the eastern coast of China that are, that are having, you know, diets that are more Western, westernized are seeing, you know, also, you know, significantly increasing rates of food allergies. And, you know, there's definitely... Uh, the causes are, are multifactorial, but that the biggest one that I think you know clearly makes sense when you think about what works for prevention is that as societies, we've started feeding babies solid food later and later in uh, in life. Again, I'm more familiar with the U.S. data, but in the U.S., the, the average age of first feeding solids to infants uh, in 1960 was around two months of age. Yeah, that, that was actually the average to, you know, to feed solids as uh, in general. Uh, and now, you know, the average age is something like eight to 10 months of age, depending on which survey you're looking at. Um, and really? no, no, it's a, it, look, and there's good reasons that we do it later. You know, babies could choke if you feed them solid yeah. food at just such a young age. You know, there, there's all sorts of good reasons why it, 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 we've started feeding food later and later. But there's also been downsides that we didn't realize until it was too late, which is that by waiting to expose babies to these allergenic foods, until they're you know until they're older, their bodies are, aren't used to you know it being you know, uh, recognized as food, and their immune system reacts negatively. So it's important to introduce the allergens, but we still have a an opportunity to you know mold their immune system towards tolerance. You know, we in in that sense, like you know, a lot of what we've done is great by feeding solid food later, but we have to kind of go back to the olden way of feeding you know at least allergenic foods uh, earlier and and more often. Definitely. So early allergen introduction for prevention, and on the topic of prevention. Let's sort of segue now to your participation 
in World Without Disease Summit. So the ethos of WWD is delivering future health through disease interception. It's quite clear that what you're doing is intercepting any worsening of the situation of uh, skyrocketing cases of food allergies. So tell me a bit about your presentation that you're going to be making, Daniel. It's called Preventing Childhood Food Allergies, which is sort of a no-brainer why you've called it that. But can you tell me a bit more, maybe give us a snippet of what's to come in June? Sure. I think that there's a couple different components. Uh, you know, number one is that you know while people who are really closely following the allergy science, you know, it's clear to them that the you know, every baby should be eating allergens early and often, and there's a, such a huge public health opportunity. Um, like I mentioned, just in the U.S. alone, a uh, quarter million babies a year, at least we can prevent from getting food allergies. Uh, one thing we need to do is just help spread more awareness of that, that opportunity you know, globally. There are medical guidelines in the, in the EU and in England, in Canada and Australia that all recommend early allergen introduction. Um, but really working as a you know, global health community, this is, again, like you mentioned, it's not just an American thing or not just an English thing. This is a, a global problem. Um, that stems from some of the same issues and have some, has some of the same resolution. And instead of thinking about this as a, a U.S. only problem, I think there's an opportunity to both uh, make, make sure that we're all operating from the same base of awareness on science and, and data, um, and then also talk about some of what we're doing in the U.S. as Ready, Set, Food to, to work on implementation. Because um, as we mentioned, one of the big issues is not just around education, it's around how do you actually implement um, the recommendations to get a good outcome. Um, that's why even the clinical trial, they had compliance issues. Uh, there was no lack of awareness or education problem in the trial that had only 43% compliance, you know, difficulties with implementation. So I think the, the two things that we really wanted to focus on is kind of sharing awareness of uh, where we see kind of the current state of the science and the guidelines and the future of food allergy prevention. And then uh, an important component of that is not just the education, but also how you actually get that done and help parents implement that at home our product, but there's also a suite of tools with education and, and other ways you can help make sure that every parent has a really easy opportunity to give their baby the best chance of not preventing uh, and not developing food allergies. So yeah, I think that that's that's really what we want to do is just explain how we've worked, you know, through education, through implementation, um, and in partnership with healthcare providers and with payers uh, to really start a comprehensive strategy for uh, ending the food allergy epidemic. Absolutely. I think you've summed it up, ending the food allergy epidemic, which it veritably is. So that was a fascinating conversation, Daniel. Thank you for your time. Is there anything else you want listeners to sort of take away? Or No, I think I think we're very, very excited to you know, talk to more public health professionals around the world about the enormous opportunity in preventing food allergies. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that you know, the reason that we find it so exciting is not just the depth of opportunity that there is in, in preventing all these babies from getting food allergies, but also the relative simplicity of solution. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of you know other chronic issues that also require attention, whether it's diabetes or obesity. Solutions are quite challenging and complicated, and there's you know there's still a lot of more research that we need to do. Whereas you know, getting babies to eat allergenic food the way we used to in the '60s. Um, is a much more simple um, answer that can impact so many people's lives through a, a much more easy to solve kind of uh, or easy to address issue. Definitely. Well, thank you for your time, Daniel, and I look forward to hearing more in June. And so that concludes this episode of the Mini Pharma Forum podcast. You can find more information about this episode, including a download link and information about previous installments and the main Farm Forum podcast series at farmforum.com forward slash podcasts. 
The Mini Farmer Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher and Podbean, where you can find and subscribe by searching for Farmer Forum. Of course, don't forget to visit our website, where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins as well, and follow us on Twitter at at Farmer Forum. Well, that's all for now. Thank you for listening.